Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always I'm joined by Keith hey. and Brad. What's up? We have three movies on the slate this week. Uh, we're we're kind of catching up, you know, we've been doing the holidays and there's just been a lot going on. So we have a couple movies that we've seen over the last couple weeks or so and we're just finally getting around to reviewing them. So in order, we're going to talk about Next Goal Wins, the Michael Fassbender starring sports comedy that's directed by Taika Waititi. Then we're going to go with a sequel, Good Burger 2, starring the guys from Keenan and Kel. And then we're going to close out with a movie that just opened this week, and that is Silent Night, John Woo's latest action movie that stars Joel Kinnaman. Let's start with Next Goal Wins. I had it on my most anticipated list two years ago. We'll see how we actually reacted to it. But first, Brad, what's this movie about? All right, summer is always courtesy of IMDb. The story of infamously terrible American Samoa soccer team, known for a brutal 2001 FIFA match they lost 31 to nothing. So, uh, by a little bit more background, uh, you know, this movie is written and directed by Taika Waititi, and it's based on a documentary of the same name. And Michael Fassbender is in it, and he's like the biggest name in there, and with some... Small supporting roles for Elizabeth Moss and then Will Arnett and some other folks. But it's really about Matt Michael Fassbender doing the old sports trope of coming in and trying to push the team into shape in some winning ways. And then we have some mixed reviews on this. Keith wanted to go first because uh, I think you were a little bit more enthusiastic after you saw it than me and Brad. You know, I liked it more than you, so I want to defend it a little bit first. This was a regal mystery movie for me, and you know, I was excited because the crowd was full and there were surprisingly a lot of young kids there. And when it started, I don't know if the word was out, but there were families, and we were all excited for it. You know, I'm a Taika guy through and through. I like Jojo Rabbit, Hunt for the Little People. This is more in that kind of lane. I will say, this is not one of his best movies. I appreciated the overall rah-rah sportsness of it. First 15 minutes, though. Brad, your reaction to Barbie when you said, you know, you had trouble settling into it because just in your face, it was so Taika weird for the first 15 minutes. Once it got into it, it was a very conventional rah-rah sports movie, but I, I liked it for that. It had enough human Taika touches. It's an average movie at best, but I I did I did cheer for it, and that's what, that's why I liked it. I don't think the movie knew which tone it wanted to go for. I mean, it could if it wanted to be comedy, it could have handled comedy better. If it wanted to be like a very touching, like human triumph piece, it it kind of straddled the line on both, and I think it took down both in my opinion. Michael Fassbender, I'm just gonna say he was okay as Thomas Rongan. I think the script just didn't help him out at all. He was a man who was troubled with issues. You knew he had issues. It's just, he almost was like a joke of a head coach almost to an extent, but this movie kind of made him out to be. I mean, he was, they had the whiteboard and he had all these drawings and everything and scenes and I mean, that's supposed to be played for humor, but I mean, it's almost like it was like, okay, he's a hard-ass, 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 and all of a sudden he's like, light bulb. Oh, unfortunately, Fassbender tried his best. I just, I don't know. I just don't think he really settled in the role. Yeah, I think my secret MVP in this is, is Kaimana playing as uh, Jaye, bonding with Fassbender's character and just them going off of each other. And I mean, just how they, in the end, was the key to winning the game was, was, a, great, was a great touch, and I think it was just... The acceptance of that was, was very well mm-hmm. done. And it's, honestly, besides that, maybe Oscar Knightley as uh, Tavita. I mean, he's he's probably the funniest guy in the film. And unfortunately for me, I think I only laughed maybe twice. And the hardest I laughed was actually at the end credit. So 
you know, I think, like I said earlier, this was on one of my most, like, anticipated lists because, I, you know, it was Taika and it was sports. But having just watched the documentary that this movie's based on, I just feel like he kind of mailed the script in. It kind of feels like a disservice to the to the people and the characters and the story that's trying to convey. And then to make it like this incredibly broad comedy and Brad's agreement that just is kind of all over the place. It's not really centered properly. And I don't feel like Michael Fassbender and the rest of the cast really got a lot to work with, unfortunately, because it just kind of brushes over a lot of stuff. And it's funny because the documentary isn't as much isn't really that much longer than the actual movie and the documentary is able to convey so much more i would recommend it maybe if like i think the, the some of the messages are good about teamwork obviously and i think jaya's character uh you know as like a real life inspiration uh for uh trans people i think is is nice and uh you know it, it would be a good movie i think if you want to watch, if you, like, for kids, it's kind of, it's almost a kid's movie, but not really a kid's movie. And again, because it's kind of, has seven feet in different worlds. If you really want to learn about this, I would recommend you just watch the documentary. I think that is the better interpretation of it. I probably am a little too much of a Taika defender. I will say you're right. The Fassbender character is not that well painted, but... I will say in defense, I really liked the way the um, voicemails from the daughter played into it. I don't know if we're going to spoilers what happened with the daughter, but that all that built him up pretty much for me. And you're right, Elizabeth Moth doesn't have much. Moss doesn't have much to do, but the, the journey that Jaya goes on was really moving to me, and a lot a lot deeper than I expected from a movie that is. But you're right, ankle deep otherwise. And Taika said going in, or maybe it was the introduction of the movie in the theater. I don't know. He said, "I don't know anything about soccer." You can tell. I'm not much for um, montages of training, but once he established the comic ineptitude of the Samoans, he didn't do much else. And also the defensive, I really liked Oscar, I don't know if it's Knightley or Kitely, I saw it was Kitely, I'm not sure, but... It might be Kitely. He, he, he was probably the most, you know, Taika character. I did also liked the, uh, the, the um, what's his name, um, Nikki, Nikki Salupu, the goalkeeper, that's a very Taika kind of character too. He was really the goat of their big game. And the way he was he was recruited into it at the end, that put that much worked as a sports underdog kind of movie. But you all are right. This movie has issues that were not resolved. I haven't seen the documentary. It's I, I probably liked it more than I should have, but I did end up cheering for it. The end the end is really, I thought, well done for a rah-rah sports underdog kind of movie, and I will defend it for that. A pet peeve of mine is I love when, when at least when it's based off of something historical, they... Uh, they follow through it. I really love how they didn't change the history of American Samoa. I mean, it's they never won a game, but they were a one nothing loss to a Samoa team and an 89th minute goal from advancing to <laughs> to the next round of the uh, the the Oceanic Football Conference tournament. Let's we got a lot to talk about. I don't think I have enough to talk about less in this movie. So I'm, I'm good. It keeps good. So so um, Brad, why don't you go? We'll leave Keith for last because I think he's going to have a high rating. So Brad, I'm going to give it a two out of five. I mean, it's 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 a it's an okay movie. Like the camaraderie, teamwork, all that stuff worked. The history was fine. It's just everything else. Just the script was bad, and the comedy just didn't hit for me. When when comedy doesn't hit for me, it just it sinks a movie. So for me, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a two out of five. Uh, I'm also gonna give it a two. I think if you have some time, it's it's an inoffensive movie with some good messages. So if you want to like take your kids to it and everything like that. It's not a bad, but if you really want to know about this story and understand the characters and the people better, I, I just recommend watching the documentary. I'm not that much different than you guys. I will go two and a half. You know, Tyke at his best can like take on genres and flip them on their head. 
with what we do in the shadows, that um, com comedic mockumentary he made several years ago, and Jojo Rabbit, he just takes on things that should not work and makes them work. This one, he took on too much, and as Ben is right, he probably phoned it in a little bit. But overall, as a sports underdog kind of movie, I liked it. All right, we're going to skip the box office. We'll, we'll take that towards the end. Brad, Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, critics and audience. 55% for the critics. And I'll go... Audiences, usually, if they watch it, they're a little bit more forgiving. So I'll go 70. All right. Keith? All right. I will go... Uh, I, I think Ben's pretty much spot on, but I'll go 60 for the critics. Fans, I'll go a little over 65. Uh, when we have our um, discrepancies between the two, when we do our uh, year-end review, this one might be up there. Critics, 41%, 111 reviews. Audience, 83%, 100-plus reviews. And critics' consensus on this is, Next Goal Wins finds director-slash-co-writer uh, Taka Waititi with his heart in the right place, even if his crowd-pleasing aim has no uh, noticeably strayed from its target. Okay, I think we've said what we need to say about Next Goal Win, so let's go on, move to the next movie, and that is Good Burger 2, which is a sequel to a movie that's based on characters from Keenan and Kel, the uh, sketch comedy from Nickelodeon. Brad, what's this movie about? All right, summary is always courtesy of IMDb. After his latest invention fails, Dex is welcomed back by Ed to his old job at Good Burger, which is once again put in jeopardy when Dex devises a plan to get back to his feet. Okay, so... <laughs> Like I said, this movie stars Kel Mitchell and Kenan Thompson, kind of reprising the roles they originated back in the day. And this is a rare movie that Brad and Keith saw, but I did not see, so I'll leave it to these two folks. And Brad, why don't you start off with what you liked or didn't like about this movie? This movie's it's good. I mean, it's what it's is what it is. I mean, it's basically a sketch comedy of a of a movie that probably came out decades ago. I think it was what. 2000s, I think, maybe it's, it's 90s. It's 25 or 26 years ago. Yeah. It kind so, of fluctuates. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting take why they brought it back after so long, which I... It's granted, I, I was I was shocked 1997. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, 26 yeah, years old. It's good to see... Um, Kel Mitchell again. I love him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just... He seems like he's, he's seamlessly hopped back into the role of Ed. I mean, it's just like he never lost his step, too. I mean, he's, he's oblivious at times, lacking intelligence, but, I mean, he's a good foil to Dex, who... Mm -hmm. Tries hard and thinks that he's intelligent, but he seems to like overthinks things and uh, overestimates his intelligence. Dex, who tries hard and fails to make money and make an impact, where Ed kind of just lucked himself into worth and impact. I mean, it's just like he's got a good family, he's got, he owns the Good Burger. I mean, it's just like he's got everything that Dex wants, but Dex tries a, a lot harder to get it, but it just seems like Ed just kind of falls into it. Unlike you, I was not really part of, I'd say you're part of the Nickelodeon generation, like you watch Nickelodeon a lot. I, I got into Keenan and Kel, not from all that, but from the Keenan and Kel together as the show, and I really loved the first Good Burger movie. It's not just that it's big and goofy fun, they're one of the better comedy teams. They, they, you can't, um, you can't like, underrate it. Kel never really made the big time, but he's a great physical comedian. And Keenan is even better. I mean, he's been on Saturday Night Live almost as long, almost since this came out. It seems like he's been on there like 20 years. I'm exaggerating, but he's been on Saturday Night Live at least 10 years. It's funny, this is on Paramount, Paramount Plus. I'd forgotten that it was Paramount Pictures, you know, 25 years ago to put this out. What works is that they, they both look like they're the same age. They're pretty much eternally boyish. And it keeps that goofy charm. It, it loses none of the, you know, almost boyish pranksterism of the first movie. It doesn't get any deeper. But their bond, and, you know, that's what works for me. You know, a deeper movie would have gotten into, there's a dark side to Dex. Mm -hmm. Dex, their relationship. I mean, he's constantly scheming. He sells out Kel, and he did it again here. He sells out Ed, he did it again here. 
But this is this is a Nickelodeon movie, and it's about friendship. It has fun cameos. I liked it for the same reason I liked, I liked the first movie. Keenan mm-hmm. Thompson was good as Dex, I, Dexter Reed, but I mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I think it took a little bit for him to transition back into the role. It just seemed like he was a little wooden at first, but it seemed mm-hmm. like. And I know it's not that's not the way movies are filmed, but it just seemed like like the way the the more the movie got along, the more he kind of got back into the role and kind of got back into the mm-hmm. the groove of things with Kel. I mean, it's just he seemed a little bit off at first. The supporting cast in this was good too. I mean, they're 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 a step down from Keenan and Kel. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I think Alex Alex R. Hibbert. He's uh, he's Ed too. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the son of, the son of Ed and uh, uh, Kamaya Fairburn. She's uh, she's Mia. And uh, Fabrizio uh, Guido as uh, Mr. Jensen. I think they all had their moments to shine. Yeah, you know, I think the um, sporting cast was good this time out. I will say the cameos were not as good. I don't need to see Gronk everywhere. I've seen enough of Mark Cuban. They just weren't inspired. But on the um, other side of the villains, I thought they were really fun this time. You know, um, Lil Rel. I always like to see Lil Rel and him taking on Dex. And really outwitting Dex was pretty fun. And Jillian Bell never gets enough credit. She's somehow uh, Kurt's sister, I believe. Yeah. You know, they bring it up in the most ludicrous way. And then it also ties in technology, you know, cloning good burger workers. And it gives them, lets them riff in a goofy physical way on all new things like, you know, driverless cars. None of it is deep at all. Yeah. But it's mostly very funny. Julia Bell does all right as, as Cat Boswell. And I'm glad they connect it to the first movie. Lorel clicks more as a villain. I can see that, yeah, but I, I did like where they introduced Jillian Bell, and she's in on the gag. They're like, who the heck are you? It's not, not hell, this is a PG-rated movie, you know, yeah. but she's kind of in on it, and she gets yeah. into the absurdity of it. You're right, he's a better villain, but I kind of like the way they tried to fit her in, but they know it doesn't work. What do you think of the, uh, the the song sequence that they had? I was okay. I I, I dealt with it. I was like, it was are, right. are you talking about where they brought in all the stars? Yeah. Well, yeah. When it was uh, when Kel was having his dream on how he was oh, yeah. saved. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it was it was okay. I mean, it's just it's nice to see all Keenan's friends come out and support him. But it was so much. And yeah, you know, I, but I, I love the fact that it also also with songs it kind of opened the same way. With Kel having some crazy dream sequence with all the shakes flying around, yeah. and that I liked. Okay, do we want to do the ratings? Yeah, sure. Well, you, you go first, Brad. Uh, I give it a three out of five. Like I said, it's not Shakespeare. It's not Godfather. I mean, it's the comedy's good. I mean, I, granted, I laughed more in this than I did at uh, uh, Next Goal Win. So I mean, that's always a plus for me for a comedy. So I'll give it a three too. And maybe this is a streaming standard. I don't know, but you know, if you're sitting at home. Seeing these guys together after 25 years, like I said, it has all the same boys' charm as the original. And for that, I just really liked it. So three stars out of five. Okay. Um, you did the Rotten Tomatoes for this, right? I did, yes. I, I do not have a critics' consensus, though. I do have a critics' But there is a number for There each. is a number for critics and audience, okay. yes. So. All right. Well, you know, I didn't look, but I know from reading the USA Today Review, a lot of critics like this. I will go 75 and I'll go even higher. If you're going to watch this, 85 for the fans. Critics, 63%, and mm-hmm. this is only eight eight reviews. So, I mean, this this might have went eight, up a little bit. Eight critics? Or? Eight critics, yeah. Oh, so, wow, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll have to check it out. But, uh, it might have changed since the last time I did mm-hmm. this. But audience was 76%. Okay. That was 100+. Plus. So, so I'm glad the audience is still with them. And yeah. they're probably that's probably a better number. It's not a great movie. It's just really fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's move along and let's talk about a third movie that just opened this week, and that's Silent Night. That is the John Woo action movie starring Joel Kinnaman. And Brad, you want to explain the premise to this? Oh, sure thing. Summary always courtesy of IMDb. 
The grieving father enacts his long-awaited revenge against a ruthless gang on Christmas Eve. I think it piqued interest for a lot of us. Uh, you know, I'm a big John Woo fan, and he hasn't really made an American movie in a while. And also, I don't think it was really sold that much in the commercials that this movie is largely silent. We don't have any of the characters speaking any meaningful dialogue. So it's a pretty much a silent movie with the exception of some, some radio voiceovers and some other stuff. I will start this off. Um, I was a little disappointed. Put it bluntly, I thought this felt more of a Netflix movie, and it didn't feel as John Woo as I wanted it to. You know, John mm -hmm. Woo, uh, his Hong Kong movies in the mid to late 80s and the early 1990s like, set the standard for action for a long time. Now we're like almost we're 30 years past that now, and he just really hasn't evolved, and our tastes have evolved, you know. It's funny, the John Woo kind of influenced the whole generation of action movies, including John Wick. Um, and now we're kind of back around again. And, like, John Woo doesn't... He didn't really add anything, nor did he even capture the same energy that he did with, like, The Killer, Hard Boiled, Hard Target, any of his, you know, face-off. There wasn't a lot of pyrotechnics. There wasn't a lot of that, um, you know... Balak violence that we've seen. Um, another signature for John Woo is, uh, you know, dual wheeling guns. And, like, except for Kid Cudi, briefly, that didn't even happen. There was not, like, a lot of slow motion, people jump in the air. It just, it didn't feel, it only felt like a John Woo movie in name, and that disappointed me a lot. Well, you know, I, I have much the same reaction as you, but, you know, I, say, I know it's unfair and really inaccurate for me to say it's one of the worst movies of the year. But it's, I don't. One, but it's one, no, it's unfair. But it's yeah. one, of, it is the... Most disappointing of the year, movie of the year so far for me. Just because, like Ben, I just, I worship John Woo. And this had none of that style, none of it. The first hour, I get, as Ben has told me, this is a Punisher kind of movie. It was really morose, really dreary, to the point of being boring. I, and, and, you know, if they, had, if they had dived more into the silent aspect of it, I would have I gone with that. But there's noise coming in throughout this. There's talking heads on TV, so that doesn't really even add anything to it. Um, and also, you know, this was sold in the trailer. They never should have sold this way. as like action movie like you've never seen this before. Ben's right that he's been surpassed by all these people. And they, they, they learn from him. He, John Woo, unfortunately, hasn't learned anything from these people. This is gritty action, but it's with, with, with the grit, there's no style. Even when you get to the action in the last half hour, it still didn't deliver anything that I was expecting. I just really didn't like this movie. He didn't, he didn't even know. do what he did in the 90s, which is mm -hmm. disappointing to me. But let me throw over Brad. Me... Unlike you two, I've not seen many John Woo movies. In fact, I think probably you saw Hard Boiled, Hard -boiled yeah. was probably mm -hmm. my first one that I saw. That's and, probably the best one, though. Yeah, yeah, and, and, um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, this movie does not live up to Hard Boiled, mm -hmm. but I think... For what it was, I think the non-speaking that Joel Kinnaman did was was pretty good. I, I I enjoyed him as Godlock. His facial expressions, and I mean, he shows uh, he shows them off pretty good between anger, thoughtful, tired, and etc. I mean, he shows shows it off pretty well. When your protagonist doesn't talk, I think it takes away a little bit of the movie. It's kind of hard to bring you back in when your guy, the guy you're supposed to follow. Some people can do it good, and Kinnaman did his best. I just think it, it missed a little. And I think the other thing is, there's not much in the way of supporting cast in this. I mean, hardly any. Yeah. yeah the, the, the wife, played by uh, Catalina Sandina Moreno. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. That's right. She can only do the concerned wife so much. I mean, it's like, and I mean, 
You don't you, you hear her say maybe three words the entire movie and she had a long fuse. I mean, there was yeah. many there's there's many months where she's she's just she's just watching him just yeah. brood and drink and she's going to work. And not only that, but once your husband starts bringing home training dummies and a mm-hmm. new car and other and other things, I mean, you you got to wonder. So, I she definitely was there and I guess the only other mentionable parts, maybe Kid Cudi as Vassal, he's all right. I mean, it's just he's a side character. I mean, you don't see him much. You don't they don't really give much. It's just he he comes in shooting up, uh, mm-hmm. shooting up, and does a cool dual wielding dual wielding sliding shot. To get back to the opening part, you know what bothered me even more is you see a lot of Joel Kinnaman watching YouTube videos or knife fights, you know, yelling at the yelling at the uh, mirror. These things he's going through, and they pretty much buy the numbers training regimen. Uh, you're right; she has a long fuse, but Kenling Sedina Moreno gets none of the grief, nothing you would expect someone to be going through if their child had been killed. He get you get the anger part from him, but it still was so morose. It went on for so long, I can't undersell it. There is not much action in this movie until the last thirty minutes, and that is not even great action. No. <laughs> I, I wonder too, because of the conceit of almost no dialogue, if they had to stretch that part out, because it, that's probably solved in a five-minute scene with some dialogue where they're expressing their feelings and all that. Well, hats off to trying something new. Yeah. A largely silent movie, though it's not even the first kind of largely silent movie that Keith and I saw, right? Exactly. What was the one with Caitlin D. No one, no one, no one will save you. Yeah, yeah. And that's a far better movie. Yeah. No. I mean, it... it <laughs> I think it's a cheat that the audience has probably already seen a revenge movie like The Punisher, like Pepperman, like Death Wish, like John Wick. Um, so they don't really have to understand the motivations that much. It's just like, your kid got killed, you want to get revenge, everybody can understand that. How do you think they handled their revenge? It's okay. In, in action movies, the, the main bad guy's death is usually the most satisfying, and then also like it probably has the most overkill. I think about the movies... Action movies in the '90s, right? We saw The Rock and like the 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 two like evil Marines at the end. The one guy dies from like sarin gas, and the other guy's impaled on uh, on a pole. And you know, small spoiler: the bad guy gets his you know gets done in in a very just like I wasn't even sure if he was necessarily dead there. This movie's definitely not hard boiled. I mean, it tries. It's just with John John Wick just set the bar so high. Yeah. And this movie just could not meet it. So well, getting back to the villains, it, it kind of bugged me. Not only are they one note, but look at why they're villains. Why would other villains? They are Hispanics who have tattoos all over their face. They also brown, black and brown characters. They play loud rap music. They're the most by the book offensively villains that have no depth ever. I know this is an action movie and the villains are sometimes that way, but it just bugged me. And the only style you get at all, um, there could have been, there were two instances. His lair, whatever you want to call it, with all the disco lights, that had a flash of what you expect from a John Woo movie, but that, it was just kind of there. And there's one scene, near the, I think it's in the first third, where the teardrop drops down into a bullet. But that just left you thinking, there's going to be more John Woo touches here, and there just aren't. The only, the um, only real John Woo thing um, I would think is in the very beginning... We kind of start in the middle of the movie, and and mm-hmm. Joel Kinnaman's character is confronting these two bad guys, and he's being chased in the car, and he's being chased in the warehouse, and the car is about to run him over, and there's a forklift coming in the other direction that stops, and he kind of parkours off the mm-hmm. forklift onto the truck and dodge the what would they call those things like uh, the. the- Forks, the forks, yeah, the forks, yeah. and it kills one of the guys. And like that was the only 
sort of acrobatic mm -hmm. John Woo thing. Otherwise, yeah. it was just him going up the stairs. I think the mm -hmm. other thing that is, this movie does pretty good is um, the background music for this because when you got a, a, a protagonist that can't talk, I mean, you, you, you gotta you gotta have something to, to, to carry it a little bit, and it's a moody piece. It's mu moody music that I think kind of like portrays like what's boiling underneath of him but i mean it's okay it's not great i mean it's not like um top tier but it's i think it carries the movie a little bit well so. brad i can't remember have you seen a quiet place i've not seen a quiet okay place. well you know ben mentioned you know, it'll save you can we use silence as an enveloping thing it takes over the entire movie it's foreboding it's ominous there was none of that here yeah. there's so much noise in the background no, that it that it gets i, I didn't mean to you know totally well, no, no, what you're saying, saying, but yeah. but it kind of kind of damages, almost throws out the entire conceit. What's tougher to act is just like with no dialogue and like having to like convey everything through your face, mm -hmm. your emotions, or memorize all the dialogue. I don't know. I was thinking about that. I don't know what would be harder. I mean, the dialogue, just like if you're having a big part, that must be hard mentally, like taxing, but like... Physically taxing, it's just mm -hmm. yeah. with, your, with, uh, with just your emoting on your face and yeah. all that stuff. So and mentally taxing. I'll give it to Kinnaman. He was he went all in here. It yeah. was not right. his fault. Apparently, I read somewhere that he was going to be so method that he wasn't going to talk to anybody, anybody on set. But it was so stressful, like he gave up on it driving the first day. Yeah. So he gave it all he could. I think it's harder probably to do silent like this. It just wasn't done very well here. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap this up because there's just not much more to talk about this. Um, <laughs> I'll go first on this review. I'm going to give it a two. Um, why don't we go Brad and then Keith? I give it a two and a half. I, I mean, it's 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 an action movie. I mean, it's not the best. It's, I don't think it's the worst. It's just, yeah. I, seeing Hard Boiled and John Wick and you, the bar's raised <laughs> and Wu didn't meet his old standards and he didn't meet the new standards. So, yeah, I'll give it two and a half. Walking out of the movie, I was ready to give it a one and a half. It just really, I was so disappointed. But I thought about it a little bit, and it had enough of your good revenge kind of plot to me to give it a two, but no more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, Brad. Oh, I got critics, and that's it. No audience score on this yet, so... Uh, I'll go first. All right, man, what do you think? I'll go straight 50. All right, Keith. You know, I like to go prices right, but I'll go a little higher. I will go sixty. I, probably, I think we're. I think we've overshot. I think Keith, we both have yeah. too. But fifty-nine percent. Oh, oh we're right in the middle. You're, yeah. right. You're very close. Yeah, I thought so. it was going to be more like forty. Yeah, fifty-nine percent. That's seventy-five reviews. So, well, because you said IGN gave it four out of ten. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I I didn't particularly like it, and I'm more forgiving than most. Yeah. So I yeah. didn't think. Mm -hmm. So, uh, critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Silent Night reaffirms that an action movie doesn't need much dialogue if the set pieces are solid enough, and that even second-tier John Woo can be worth the price of a mission. That's actually surprisingly nice. Yeah, the it set is. pieces weren't solid no. enough. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, I was surprised with that. So. I mean, that's a, that is the one thing. I mean, once the, the good thing with action movies, like, yeah, once the action starts, you don't really need a lot of talking, mm -hmm. but... Yeah. I'm not saying it should be like a Quentin Tarantino in the movie in the beginning, but like it could have stand to have a couple mm -hmm. things, and maybe that would have saved some time. Okay, all right. So um, let's let's do the box office. Um, I don't even think Silent, May Silent Night made the top five, right? Did not make top five. So what is the top five? You want me to give Silent Night first, or you want me? What did, what did Silent Night make? Silent Night made three million dollars mm -hmm. this weekend. Oof. Okay. So and that placed it in ninth. Okay. This week. So. At least it's the top ten. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> so what's the top five? <laughs> top five. Uh, number one opening this week, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Yep. Which 
conflicting numbers, twenty-one or twenty-two million dollars in opening weekend. Yeah. So, I, and I'm I'm gonna go see that. I'm wait a couple weeks for the Bay Bay fans to settle down. But you know, when we walked in the movie theater, mm -hmm. we walked by the like Flomax Regal that we have, and man, the basses. Well, even in mm -hmm. our movie, you could hear the bass through mm -hmm. the movie theater. Um, number two is uh, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, $14.5 million this week. Three-week total of $121.2 million. Uh, number three, and Keith will champion this movie sometime soon, Godzilla Minus One, made $11 million this week, so finished in third. Nice. Trolls Band Together, finished in fourth with $7.6 million, three-week total of $74.2 million. And... Uh, Rounding out the top five, Wish, $7.4 million this week, two-week total of $41 million. Yeah. That is the big disappointment of the bunch. A Disney movie, $41 million in two weeks. Yeah. All right, so I think we've said what we need to say, so I think it's time for Keith to do the plugs. All right, you can reach us at moviesandamealog at gmail.com. Uh, Movies and a Meal on Twitter slash X and give us a listen on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, so for this episode of Movies in the Mail, I'm Ben. And Keith, Brad, peace!